Today is November 6th. The Astros are World Series champions, which officially brings us to the Pirates offseason. Gold Gloves announced this week. Key was snubbed. Let's talk about it here on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh and I'm not joined yet by Jake, but he's coming. So you're going to have to deal with me for a little while. Solo. Jake is actually going to be on uh, a little bit later. He's traveling and the internet basically wasn't working for him. So we're going to do a phone call for like the back half of this thing. But before then, it's going to basically just be me. So you're going to have to deal with that. And then everybody started hitting two times speed and fast forward and all that. We're going to talk about the offseason a little bit later when Jake gets on. Um, Things are going to start kicking off basically right now because the Astros just won the World Series. So we're going to go through that kind of stuff um, a little bit later when he gets on. Um, and before then, basically, I just wanted to just want to kind of wrap up this postseason and the World Series and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, Houston Astros. Man, I really thought Philly had a hold of this thing, um, but it appears they didn't. And it looks like the no-hitter-ish thing that the Astros threw kind of stifled the, the Philly mojo, so to speak. And I say sort of thing, I'd really like to hear from you guys. Like, are you, where are you at on this no hitter in game four? Because it's a pretty big deal. I mean, three postseason no hitters ever. Let's say this way, three times that a team has been no hit in the postseason. The perfect game by Don Larson way back in, I think, 56, I think is the number for whatever reason. It's escaping me now, maybe because I wasn't alive then. But either way, a combined no-hitter is kind of an interesting, like, if it's like two guys. I remember uh, the Francisco Cordova no-hitter where Rincon threw the 10th. That one still felt pretty good because you threw nine no-hit innings. But like six no-hit innings? Like he didn't throw Javier did not throw a no hitter, right? The Astros did. And like, how many times does Presley go out there and give up no hits? Like a lot. I would imagine a lot. It's not as, it's not as difficult as a thing to do for, you know, two or three guys coming out of the bullpen to not give up a hit and have clean innings. Like that happens a lot. And so I just don't think it carries the same weight as, as a single guy capable of going nine full innings and face the lineup three times and still keep them from getting a hit. To me, that's way more impressive. Um, it's historic. I mean, like, I enjoyed that sort of thing. I thought it was cool. But, like, the more I kind of thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, I'm, it's just not as impressive. It's not as, uh, you know, it just doesn't stand out quite as much for me. But I'd like to hear how you guys feel about it. Um, games five and six, 
Houston just kept going. It did seem like some of that was was uh, was left out of it from Philly, where they just weren't uh, they just weren't as on fire as they were leading up to that. And you know that's very normal. We we say it all the time. The best team doesn't always win in the postseason. The hottest team does. And it looked like Philly was the hottest team, certainly not the best on paper, but the hottest for sure. And they basically ran out of heat in those last couple games. Great run by Philly. I, to me, the more fun team. They, I thought that Houston was, and I said this on the last episode, even before that, even in their undefeated uh, runs in the rounds before that, I just felt like they were a little bit boring. Uh, you know, but they're good. And no, this does not validate anything from 2017 for me. Uh, for me, this is a completely different team. 2017 is 2017, and they are who they are. This doesn't have a lot of 2017 left. Um, and if you want to say, yeah, but Altuve, there's enough video evidence to prove that Altuve wasn't cheating in 2017 either. So you can believe that or not. Uh, that's up to you. I'm not, we're not having that here. Uh, but I believe that he was ticked off whenever they tried to hit the trash can when he was up. And there's video evidence to prove that. You can look it up on YouTube. There's, a, I think there's a couple of them out there showing that they dug through and um, his numbers were were true in 2017. Uh, I don't think that the wins were, but I think that Carlos Correa and, and, uh, and uh, oh my gosh, and George Springer kind of, as soon as they went to a different team, they were no longer held responsible, which I thought was weird. Like, why are we booing Jordan Alvarez and 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 Kyle Tucker when the you know some of those guys aren't even on the team anymore and they're not getting booed anymore? So, no, this has nothing to do with 2017 for me. It it's 2022, and Jeremy Payne is a stud. I'm convinced. And uh, Houston finally is, is, I mean, you see that young pitching staff, like their runs into the postseason, into the championship series and all those things have been basically purchased starting rotations. And now you're starting to see that they've got some guys coming up, Urquidy and Garcia and, um, and Framber and, you know what I'm saying? There was four of them, but I, I, the other one, oh, Christian Javier, obviously it was just... So like the yeah, those are legit guys, and they're still going to be good moving forward. But it has nothing to do with 2017 for me. Um, but what it does have to do is is it has to do with the Pirates. I, I look at this and I say, what where can we go as far as like talking about the Pirates and talking about the World Series and things like that? What do you do? And and the what I do it and for those of you on YouTube. You might be looking at the top of my head for a little bit. I do actually have like notes here uh, because I looked some things up because I started thinking about this and and in, in we're going into the offseason here and there, there's a lot of us who are saying 23, man, is such an important year. And I, I keep looking at that and and I know that like at the, even at the beginning of this year and last year, we kept saying, man, I think 23 is the year that we're going to start looking different in the win column, we thought there's going to be a lot of guys making their debut this year. That happened. And you know that when a lot of guys are making their debut, they're going to struggle. If one guy makes his debut and he's surrounded by good players, he can, he can kind of get through that and be really good. But when you have a lot of them making their debut, there will be struggles. That's, I mean, that's just been the case when you look at teams. I mean, just 
yeah. Think back. And it's just the truth. And so I, I think about this and I, th- it, I think about 23 and what it means. And I start looking back at some of these franchises that basically have a blueprint for these rebuilds and what they've done and how they've done it and what their records looked like. And I'm going to tell you, the Houston Astros in 2011 lost 106, then they lost 107, then they lost 111. In year four, they still lost 92 games before two years middling in that over 500, but not quite like 90 win team. And then 2017 happened. And so, which is another reason why you could say, well, maybe they would have just been at without that, but that's, that's, that's your call. I, I don't know. We'll never know because what happened happened. And the point is, is they've been able to continue to do this year in and year out. Uh, even after all of that, um, the Orioles this season turned a lot of heads. And man, they've had a rough go of it. 18, 19, and 21, they lost over 100 games. Um, what is it? Uh, I thought I had them written down here. Um, I don't actually have the numbers, but over 100 games those years. And then turned around and you saw what they did this year. 2020 would have been 95 lost season, by the way. It had been a full season. So you had three out of four straight years, 95 or over 100 losses for the O's. And then they turned things around this year. And they started turning heads when people were like, wow, this team's been garbage for the last four years. Cleveland, 09 through 12. We've talked about Cleveland on here a lot because a lot of what they do is a blueprint for what needs to be done. Yes, Francisco Lindor got traded, but guess what? Their middle infield this year on a good season was from that trade. It happens. The trade for the, when they when they dealt Clevenger to San Diego, man, there was four of those guys on this year's team just for the Clevenger <laughs> Clevenger deal. It, it's it's what it looks like. Whether you like it or not is a different story, and that's a, that's a conversation that we love having here is whether or not we like it, and whether or not it works, and it, it for a for a specific fan base. Um, and I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong here. I, I just, I love the discussion, but Cleveland 09 through 12, 97, 93, 82, which is a little bit better of a better year there. And then 80 and then a 94 losses and that 82 year could have been some guys playing a little bit better. It was also during a time 09 through 12, not a lot of great, like, uh, a little bit of a fortunate road as far as their division, like Baltimore having those four seasons is not surprising. They're in the AL East. So for Cleveland to, to still be, you know, around 95 losses for four straight years. And then in 13, they won 92 games, the fifth year of the process, the Cubs 11 through 14, 91, 101, 96, 89 and 15. They won 97 games. We remember that year very, uh, very much. So, the Braves, this one's a little bit different because they, the, the losses aren't as great, but they still had some good pieces on these teams. But 83 and 14, 95, 93, and 90. And then in 18, they won 90 games instead of losing 90 games. Just a flip in that fifth year of a rebuild. And so the point is, I mean, if you're as lucky as 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 the Braves or 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 the or Cleveland or Chicago, then you you flip it to be an a, a above 90 team. But the blueprint for this thing is 23 could still be rough for us. And that's 
that's the blueprint. Like that's what has been showing and that's what teams have been doing and have been successful. Now, Baltimore, we don't really know how successful that's going to be, but they're on track. It's not surprising that Baltimore was good this year, but not great. Like that, it is part of the, this is the process and it looks like they're on track. And basically the reason I say this is because we're just not going to know if the pirates are on track until 2024. If they do better in 23, that's a good sign. If they don't, it's not over yet though. It's not over. We've shown that these teams are losing a hundred games or in the nineties, which I would assume natural progression puts the pirates in the nineties with losses. I thought, and and if you listen to like last off season or last year or whatever, I was under the impression 23 was going to be that year. And I thought 22 could have been the year that we would have been in the nineties in, in the nineties in those losses, but not quite in a hundred. And I've dropped my pen and if you're a pen thinker, you know you have to hold on to your pen sometimes to think. I don't always have to do that. But especially when Jake's not here or nobody else is here, I tend to need to hold a pen. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But the point is that 24, according to the blueprint, according to what is here, what has been shown to us by other teams and their level of success... 24 is kind of that year. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't go out and sign a first baseman. That doesn't mean you don't sign a catcher. That doesn't mean you don't go after a starting pitcher. Like, those things still need to happen. I'm not saying punt for the word that that moves around Pirates Twitter. I'm not saying let's lose 100 again. But if if they don't, like, win more than they lose in 23, it's not yet a failed rebuild. 24 is when we start saying it's time. If you can't be a 500 ball club or close to kind of like the, um, the 2012 pirates, if you can't at least be that, then what are we doing here? I just don't think that's 23. I just don't. And I'm not making excuses and I'm not doing this to, to, um, I'm not doing this to set anything up other than the fact of I was on the I was on the cart saying 23 needs to be that year. And I was expecting corner outfield, first base, catcher, two starters, let's do this. And man, I I don't know if they're going to do it because I think we all know that Sherrington appears to like to stick to a plan. And my fear is, is that he sticks too hard to that saying, doesn't matter, 24 is our year. And if he does, and he just completely whiffs on 23, man, that's just not good. That that's not what that's not what you want to see at the major league level. I understand if it doesn't work out, it's okay. But I feel like you have to push. I feel like you have to be better than that. And I, I just think that what it tells me is if they make an effort. And I'm not saying make an effort to make the postseason. I'm saying if they make an effort to not put Zach Collins at first base on opening day, to not have Jason DeLay and Tyler Heineman as your two catchers on opening day, if they make a push to do something other than those two scenarios specifically, then we'll, I'm waiting. I'm here. I'm here to wait and see. I'm here to wait and see. I, 
And we'll talk about what we want. We'll tell, we got a whole off season to talk about what we want and all of those things. But what I'm saying is Houston Astros won the World Series and they are one of the teams that has a clear blueprint, except we would have traded Correa, not let him go to free agency. <laughs> we would have traded him two years before they let him go. And we probably would, and we should have, right? Because, I mean, that's what some of the other, like Cleveland, that's what they would do. And they would do that and they've been successful for 10 years doing this sort of thing. It's okay. So long as you... Now, this year for Cleveland, I think they, I mean, I think that when you when you stockpile on quantity, the way that Sherrington does, the way that Antonelli and the, and the folks over at Cleveland do, I think that you, you give yourself the opportunity to be fortunate. I don't want to say lucky because I think a lot of work goes into it, but to be fortunate in a season and have a season like Cleveland did when they weren't supposed to. Uh, but it's definitely possible. It doesn't always have to be like... It doesn't have to land like that. They, there could be other ways too. And I'm not saying you, they, all you're doing is, hey, let's just see if we strike gold this year. If not, we'll be bad. If, if so, it'll be fun. No, I think that you need to. Ma- I think that you need to make honest moves to be better. And so, let's just hope that that happens. Um, otherwise, uh, I don't know. It, it just it just doesn't work. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. But Houston is an example. You know, just don't do the cheating thing and then you don't have that whole thing, right? But they're an example of building something and, and they and they were criticized for it. They were criticized for going that bad. But this is why people that are in charge of Pittsburgh, once again, not saying whether I agree or disagree with any of this, right? I'm just calling it the way that I am seeing it. And so long as it keeps working then people like Ben Sherrington and the people that are in charge of what the Pirates are doing right now, they're going to keep doing it because it looks like it works. So I understand the process. I understand like what they're trying to do. I, I'd much rather just see them win, but I don't know. It's a tough place to be in, right, as a Pirates fan? We all know that. It's a tough place to be in. We just want to see them be good. We want to see them play well. We remember... I mean, it wasn't that long ago, it feels like, the, the the three playoff runs, and they were electric. They were so much fun, and we just want to get back to that. One of those guys that should be there is Key Brian Hayes. They just did the, the gold gloves, and he missed out on it. My question is, and this would have been a lot better with Jake around here to have a conversation with him, um, and I'm not saying that to call him out, guys. I'm just saying this would have been better. Does the gold glove still carry the same weight to you because to me the gold glove was kind of and i've seen some people say like this is why it doesn't mean anything and i was like man i always thought i i disagree i feel like it means something but man we just talked about that jack wilson stuff on last week's show i think it was last week or the week before but if you guys missed that check that out jack wilson's 2005 the the gold glove was given to omar viscal who had a bad year even at least, if anything else, we can say that Nolan Arenado had a great year. And had Key Brian not been on the field, we would have said, yes, it's him. Omar Vizquel was like at the bottom of the pile that year. He just didn't make errors. But he was not very good. Jack Wilson had a great year. But because it was Omar Vizquel. So, like, he had a gold glove caliber season, Arenado did. It just wasn't the Best of 2022. 
I've heard people say he made too many errors. So he made the same amount as Nolan Arenado. That can stop in the conversation. Doesn't matter. Yes, Key Bryan will make less errors normally in a normal year. Doesn't matter. Still put up the numbers. But when we're looking at guys' careers, I just think the gold glove is going to carry minimal weight at this point in the Hall of Fame discussion. Or does it carry more weight because it shows they were popular or famous, liked, respected? Where do you land on that? Where What is your Hall of Fame there? Because if it is, well, he was... He was regarded as one of the best during his time. That's a fair assessment. That is what the Hall of Fame... If you were perennially one of the best players in your era, that's a Hall of Famer. Regardless of whether you're better than the rest of the Hall of Famers or not. You could be a great player, but if you weren't one of the top tier, then you might have better numbers than some Hall of Famers, but you were not in that tier during your time. And I've heard that argument said about the Hall of Fame. And so that's fair. So maybe the gold glove does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't really know. To me, it just feels bogus right now. And maybe it's been that way for a long time. And I've just been naive about it because I'm, I love defense. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe the gold glove to me, if I would have been, if I would have been uh, playing baseball beyond college and beyond and done all of those things, I think my ultimate, like just because that was, was who I was as a ball player. My ultimate would have been the gold glove. Like that would have been it for me. I mean, aside from World Series, obviously, but like individual things, it would have been like, yeah, I'm, I want to be a gold glover. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I don't know, man. We could have been having this discussion 10 years from now. We could have been having this discussion about Key Brian Hayes and 10 straight. And now you're like, maybe. I mean, he's going to be older than Arenado is right now in 10 years. And so maybe there's another young kid coming up and besting Key Bryan at that point. So you just don't know. You just don't know. However, we know that Key Bryan Hayes is here next year and he's making $10 million next year. And it's the offseason, which is what a lot of us have been waiting for. I know some of you aren't even watching the World Series, weren't even watching the World Series. So... For you, things are finally kicking off. And I don't know how fast things are going to move, but um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break here and I'm going to call Jacob whenever he's ready to see if I have a text from him yet. I do not. He said he knew it was going to be soon. Um, he was out of town. Uh, he was out of town for a wedding and they stayed an extra night. And so now it was just kind of like a thing. So... Uh, but I'm going to take a break and fast forward in time and bring him on via a phone call. So I will put, I'll put a little picture up of him down here, give you a little pre preview on the uh, on the YouTube. But uh, we'll uh, we'll be right back uh, with a break here. This is a great segue, right? This was this is how it's done in the podcasting world. You say uh and you pause and you do those sort of things for a while until you know, your, your break music plays or something like that. Thanks for listening to the bridge to Bucktober podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at bridge, the number two Bucktober audio podcast available on your favorite podcast platform, video podcast available on YouTube. Follow us on the socials and subscribe to the podcast. If you're on Apple podcast, take a couple minutes for a review. We'll be right back. 
Jake is now on the phone. Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we are, we're back here. We're going to talk some off season. We're going to do so, um, with, with Jake on the line. I talked about in the first half, uh, I was telling Jake just now when we, when we connected about the world series in Houston and the blueprint and 23 and 24 and all the crazy and, and key Brian Hayes and, the gold glove and what it means and all those things. But, um, but we're going to get right into kind of the off season here because when the world series ends, there is like a list of things and man, November is like, it's kind of busy. There's a lot that goes on in November, five days after the world series. So that's November 6th. That's going to be Thursday now. Um, is basically like, that's like where a lot of stuff happens. Uh, everybody's a free agent right now, but you can only really talk to your team. Uh, you have right. until Thursday for all of your 60-day injured list guys to be put back on the 40-man roster, which is a deal. Now, Roberto Perez is one of them. He becomes a free agent. Ben Gamble becomes a free agent. So we're sitting at this 44-man roster right now, which by Thursday has to be at 40. Yeah. Um, and all at the same time, we're negotiating with, if we want to, Roberto Perez and, and Ben Gamble, and we can sign them without them talking to anyone else if we do so before Thursday. Uh, we've kind of expressed, I don't, I don't think there's any interest in Ben Gamble, right? I don't see it. I don't see it either. He was a decent player for us, and, and I didn't mind having him on the team at all, but uh, I think I'm moving forward without him. Yeah. I think we have to. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I think that he just goes into free agency, and I, I think that's about it. Uh, as far as Roberto Perez, obviously there's a lot of chatter about that and whether or not say, are you on the are you on the Roberto Perez? Like, do you think bringing him back is a good idea or no? I forget where you were at on that. You know, I, I've said this. I, I'm, I won't hate. I won't hate it if they bring him back, but I just don't know if he's going to be worth the money. He, he has not proven that he can stay healthy, and I just don't know if it's worth the risk. That's right. And we kind of talked about, you know, he's looking for a two year deal. So we're, we're really looking for like, okay, well then, you know, what is your, uh, what is your second year? And we talked about incentive clause. And if you play this many games mm-hmm. or, or you're available for this many games, right. then it, then right. it, you know, then it, uh, it, it vests, it's a vesting option, right? Yeah. So it's possible. I mean, they're certainly going to talk to him. It seems like there's definite interest there anyway. So I think yeah, that's I mean, something. If, that, and if he doesn't get hurt, he's good. He's a good player. Like, yeah, you just can't trust you know him. You know what I mean? It's just all his health. Yeah. Right. He, you can't trust bringing in Roberto Perez as the starting catcher. You have to have another option. Yeah. There's a guy who caught a no-hitter in the <laughs> World Series who's available. Uh, which, uh, you know what, let me get your take on this real quick. Cause I talked about this in the first segment, but you, you know, you weren't on here and I, and I'm kind of interested to know yours cause you, you know, you're the, you're the pitcher here. I, I, I didn't think of Christian Vasquez. I guess he gets the most credit of anybody because he caught that game. But does a does a combined no hitter carry the same kind of like awe or importance that a, that a no, like, is it a no hitter? Do you, do you think that a team got no hit or do you like, do you call this a no hitter? It's a no hitter for sure, and I don't I don't want to take that away from anyone or that pitching staff. Uh, you know, I've seen some stuff floating around on Facebook like, "Hey, it's only a no hitter if it's one." Listen, you know, there's <laughs> it goes through other sports as well. Okay, 
So in bowling, and, and this popped into my head when I saw that. I'm like, give credit where it's due, man. It's still awesome. It's still a big thing. In bowling, they have a, a system where it's like you have a five-man team, and each one of you throw a frame. If you throw a perfect game and you throw a 300 game with that format, that's insane. So to have three or four different pitchers come in and all be locked in, that's insane in its own right too. Yeah, but how many times does Ryan Presley go out there and throw a no-hit inning? A lot. Yeah, a it's, lot. It's less impressive for a reliever to throw an inning, a clean inning with no hits. Like, that's not that hard. I mean, it, if you're good, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you're not, like, Dwayne Underwood Jr. has done that. <laughs> right. So I but just how many think... how times has he done that was at the same time that everyone else did it? Yeah, I just think it's 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 certainly less impressive. Like it's further down on in order for a guy to face a lineup three times through and get through nine innings. Yes. And th- and some guys four because if you if you walked or, or hit anybody or errors or whatever, you know, we're t- talking perfect game here, which is what Don Larson did, but it, it to me it's I I have a hard time with it. In the World Series against a team who's red hot, it is impressive in its own right. What mm-hmm. they did. The fact that there was only three in the postseason ever is impressive. But yeah. I just, I have a hard time. Like Christian, Va- Christian Javier did not throw a no hitter. No, I, Christian Javier did not throw a no hitter. So like, you it's just, it's not like this in like a lot of people also can go six innings without giving up a hit against a team who's striking out a ton. I mean, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, so then you're just asking for two or three guys in the bullpen to go out and have a clean inning. And that happens all the time. And yes, it doesn't happen in that scenario in the world series. So yes, it's, it's great. And I, and I don't want that to come away, but like, but like the same way is, is if he would have thrown a no hitter, absolutely not, but it's still a no hitter. It's still quantified as a no hitter. So, but it goes from cool. It goes from amazing to cool though. Like, oh, that's cool that they did that. It goes from amazing to really cool. Okay. Says the pitching it's guy. Than I, cool. For me, for me, it's just cool. Just because it hasn't been done in the if that like you got all those guys that I you had four pitchers that had a chance to make a bad pitch. I think it matters more. I think it matters more when uh, I'm trying to think uh who was it that just threw the oh shoot. Where the guy gets hurt in the first inning, right, and he can't oh. go back out, and then they then they go through with like six pitchers, and it's a and it's yeah. a no, that to me is like ah uh, that's a little more impressive because they had to just it's just sprung on you, yeah. But like to ask your seven eight nine guys to go have a clean inning is not is like yeah they do that all the time. <laughs> uh, it's and that's it's, a, that's a fair it's a fair argument, but I still like. As a pitcher, you still care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. I don't think that the no hitter like mentally took the Phillies out of it. I think they didn't care, but it definitely uh, slowed them down. Like, I think that was what killed the momentum. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that was a rabbit trail that I knew that I knew that I wasn't going to be able to leave all of that out and (laughs) not get, not get Jake's thoughts on those. But, um, what else do we got here? Um, 
opt-outs, player options, mutual options, club options, uh, all of those things, incentives, vesting, uh, vesting options, uh, all of those things. Pirates don't have any of them. So it's kind of like all those things happen this week, but it don't matter. Qualifying offers, opt-outs. Did I say opt-outs already? All the same thing. We have none of that for the Pirates. Um, the, the only like little interesting piece of that is like the opt-out clause. If there's other players who now become free agents or if options aren't picked up or non-tendered guys like, you know, we've talked about Cody Bellinger uh, possibly being available and some different guys like that. And somebody was just made available. Um, and I opened this in a new window. So, um, Oh, Bregman broke his finger. Carlos Rodon opted out of his contract. So like now all of a sudden there's another big starter available out there. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like there, there's some things like that that are going to happen. Uh, Chris Bassett declined the mutual option or at least he's going to. So that means that like Chris Bassett is out there as a starting option. Those kind of things matter a little bit. I don't think we're playing with either of those guys, to be honest with you. But what that means yeah. is maybe some guys are going to shoot after them and we're able to go to that next tier before they do. And if you can make something happen uh, early, mm-hmm. like a Quintana that we've talked about, which I don't think he's going to garner the same kind of attention that Carlos Rodon is going to is going to attract. So I, I think that while somebody right. might be focused on Rodon, you might be able to go in and say, hey, Q, we'd like to have you back. And he's like, oh, I, I want to wait and see what happens with Rodon. But you might say, listen, here's our offer. And he might say, that's actually good enough for me. I'm doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, but they're, they're going to have yeah. to pony up and spend money in order for stuff like that to happen, to be honest with you. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, starting tomorrow's the GM meetings. Um, so there'll be a lot of like, there'll at least be a lot of stuff. Trades, oh, by the way, are open. <laughs> they're open. So trades can happen at any moment. They're, they're wide open at this, at this time. Um, the qualifying offer is 19.65. The only thing that kind of throws me off with the qualifying offer is if a guy is offered a qualifying offer, I just feel like Pittsburgh will never, they, they're just going to ignore him. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because they don't, they want, don't want to lose a draft pick. They don't want to lose a draft pick. And I think that's fair. I think that you can't do that. I think that those are the guys that you can't right. actually mess with. Um, so I said that about the 60-day injured list. Uh, we've got six of them, but really only five because Roberto Perez immediately becomes a free agent. Uh, arbitration isn't till later, but there are some some implications. January 13th, they have to offer arbitration by then, but November 18th, they have to at least have a contract tendered to the to the player. This year, we have yeah. Miguel Andujar, Kevin Newman, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, and Robert Stevenson. Uh, and so like, we've got those guys who are all going to arbitration. Uh, nobody really looking like they're to make a lot, but, um, but you have till November 18th, uh, which is not this week. So it's, it's two weeks. You've got two weeks to offer them a contract or else they become free agents. And then you can't go to arbitration yeah. with them. Um, what else is the dates here? Awards happen. Uh, we're, we'll talk about those next week because they don't happen until next week. So we're not going to spend any time on that this week. Um, November 15th, and we'll probably get into this a little bit. Um, but it's the deadline for the 40 man rosters in advance of the rule five draft. So if you move any of your rule five draft eligible guys to your 40 man after November 15th, then they could still be taken from you. So they just have to be protected by November 15th. 
Mm. Um, so that's also a, you know, specifically next week thing, but I think we're going to talk about this week and then, you know, probably spend some time on it next week, at least just to say who's there. And, um, you know, without, I don't know if, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get into like who we would pick or anything. Um, just because there's just a lot here. And then, you know, it gets to to the far, uh, November 20th, November 10th actually is you have to have your, um, that's like the official, that's when it's, everybody's available for every team free agent wise. And that's also, you have to have your qualifying offers made by then. And then they have until the 20th to accept the qualifying offer or not. Um, winter meetings, December 4th through the 7th and December 7th on the last day of winter meetings is when the rule five draft happens. That gets us through this year. The rest of the crap can be figured out. I want to start off with, (laughs) (laughs) I want to start off with, with arbitration because we have, uh, one, two, three, four, five guys. Well, let me actually start off by saying the guys came off the 60 day injured list. You've added all them to the, to the roster and you've subtracted Ben Gamble and Roberto Perez. And the pirates sit right now at 44 players on their 40 man roster, which means by Thursday, because technically they don't have to add them from the 60 day to the 40 man until Thursday. So technically they're not immediately on there as 44, but by Thursday, as of, as of right now, there's 44. So basically four people need to go by Thursday. Now, whether they're people coming off the injured list or whether they are people that are currently on, but when we talk about the injured list, we're talking Caden Smith and Jigba, Blake Cedarland, Yuri De Los Santos, Colin Holderman, and Max Kranick. They all need added back to the 40-man, which means spots need cleared up for them. Are any of those guys in danger of saying, like, we're not going to add you back? And if not, then they have to go through waivers. Yeah. Well, the ones I'm looking at are, uh, I see two that are, Oh, I think they'll get added, but Max Kranick and uh, Blake Cedarland, man, you can't stay. I know he's a good prospect. I know it. Is He's there help guy? Yeah, I mean, is there a is there a thing where you say we think he'll pass through anyway because nobody's seen him pitch? <laughs> yeah, right. So if you're saying let's take a chance on, like the thing to me is like you got to love everybody else that's on your roster right now, and and we'll get into that, but I think that's maybe where it comes in. I mean, if you're sitting here saying like, yeah, we're not going to add Max Kranick back because you really love Nick Mears. Because I, I kind of look at those two guys and say, which one's better? <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get into another guy, too, when we, well, you know, right here next, when we talk about these arbitration guys, because I want to look at, like, the guys that we have right now. But, like, I could go down through and say, do you like Cedarland and Kranick more than Beasley? Or... That's a... That's a yeah. Or it's Peter Solomon, who you just claimed, and we've not even gotten an opportunity to see. Do you grab these guys, right. and then you're grabbing them just to give them an opportunity to clear waivers and be organizational depth? Because I see that as a possibility. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, let's let's go because because this goes a step further. Let's go to arbitration. Miguel Andujar, one point seven million is the estimated MLB MLB trade rumors uh, amount for Andujar to get. Uh, does that get offered? Do they, do they tender him and do they go to arbitration with him if they can't agree to anything? 
If you're assuming 1.7 yes. million, okay. Kevin Easy. Newman, 2.8 million. It's a little bit trickier one, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's worth that for sure. Uh, Mitch Keller, 2.4 million. That's silly. Easy. Hopefully not. Hopefully they extend him. Uh, JT Brubaker, yeah. 2 million. Easy. Easy. Robert Stevenson, 1.9 million. Is that easy too? In, it's not easy. In the other direction? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's easy in either direction, to be honest. Um, I know his numbers don't look fantastic, but they didn't look terrible when he was a pirate. Um, right. I we talked about this before we got on here. It was, you know, not horrible. And, you know, maybe, maybe the move to the bullpen, move to a new team, new city, all that. Maybe something clicked. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an easy button, though, but I don't think it's a guaranteed yes. Right. I mean, he certainly has had the stuff. He's a former first-round draft pick. We know how Sherrington likes his former first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me pull up the numbers. I mean, the, I it the, could go either way. It could go either way. The interesting thing, 3.38. It's just 13 innings. But 3.38 ERA, he faced 50 batters, struck out 18 of them, only walked one of them. And yeah. so when you look at that, you look at 18 to one right out of there and then he hit a guy, but like, uh, I mean, I know it's 13 innings, but like, at least it, at least it wasn't terrible. I mean, in Colorado, right before this, <laughs> he had a six Oh four, but in Colorado last year, he pitched 46 innings to a three thirteen. So like there is something there. 2020, he had a nine ninety. And then strictly out of the bullpen in 64 innings in 2019, he had a 376. There is some bad in there, but the majority of it is good. The body yeah. of work is good. I don't, I'm not sure that it's 1.9 million, but then again, yeah, like it's just a little much, but you're just gonna sign another guy for one or two million. He made 1.2 million last year. I don't know. I was convinced to say he's the first guy to go. But when I start looking at those numbers, that's not yeah. bad. Right. I don't know, man. I I just I, like I, I said, think it's not an easy button on him. I think he's going to be tendered, and I think they're going to see how this thing goes and see if there's relievers out there, which we may get into at least next week. Um, but there's some relievers out there, and when I look down through the righties, I'm like, who are you looking at? Like Michael Fulmer? No, because they, they said they want to strikeout guys, and he's not a strikeout guy. Trevor May, Michael right. Givens, like Rafael Montero, if they can go there, like are they going to play with that? Or else you're going after guys like Archie Bradley, Ken Giles, Miguel Castro. Like I think Robert Stevenson might have a good or have just the same shot as some yeah. of those guys. So I actually don't yeah. know what they'll do here, but that's the only one to me that's interesting. I think the rest of them are easy. Yeah. But let's say they stick with him for a while, just until they see. I'm not sure that I like Blake Cedarland more than Robert Stevenson or Max Cranick. So I'm not sure I'm making that kind of a move. I don't know. I I certainly don't like uh, Jeremy Beasley or Peter Solomon, who we don't really know. Eric Stout, to me, is a guy who's on his way out. Dwayne Underwood Jr., I just don't want to see it again. And and unless you can pitch him in the sixth inning or before, like I just don't want to see any more. Uh, yeah. It's there. I understand. 
but I've seen enough here. Mm-hmm. Now, just to be fair, we've relievers got, do this all the time. Relievers will underperform for a team. They'll go somewhere else and they'll be good or they'll flop again and then they'll go somewhere else. And it's, it's like they, they, it, it, relievers come and go easy and quick. True. Which is what makes you think the 1.9 million for Stevenson maybe is iffy, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like if he, if he comes out and, and, and pitches a three fifty to a four ERA in the, you know, doing that in the sixth and seventh inning, man, I'll take that. Yeah. And 2 million is right. I'll take it for 2 million. Yeah. Especially when you're not paying anybody, anybody else, <laughs> anything, anything else. <laughs> Right. Some guys for me, Miguel Yohore is, uh, I, I mean, I would almost at this point let him let him go through waivers and DFA him and keep him if he stays and, and hope he works, gets something worked out. But at this point, when you're at a roster crunch like this and we're only, Jake, we're only talking about the guys that need to be added right now. We're not even talking about yeah. guys that we know need added later. So right. all of these guys that we're talking about, I, I, I've got 12 guys wrote down that I'm okay not being on this roster. And I'll, and I, spoiler alert, Hoy Park is the only offensive uh, non catcher <laughs> on my list. Everyone else stays for me. That's nuts because they, how? How do they all stay? Well, first off, right. we have 25 pitchers and 19 position players. So you're going to swap out pitchers for new hitters. That's how. Yeah. And, there's a few that I would say like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Like, to be honest with you, like, so Hoy Park's number one for me. Gotta go. Cannot start next year with him on the 40-man roster without any doubt. There might be some trades. Yeah, there might be trades. Cal Mitchell, Canaan uh, Smith and Jigba, Travis Swaggerty. Those types of players are going to be available to Capita, maybe even, but I don't know because Sherrington really wanted him. Those guys could be available and that might be how you yeah. create room on the roster is by maybe dealing one or two of those guys. Probably unlikely of dealing a little two bit of something of, for them. Well, but I mean, if you're trying to get like a starting pitcher, you're going to go like you may you may deal one of them along with a prospect to get somebody on the team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you've got a lot of relievers. We need relievers. If you send him our way, we can give you Cal Mitchell and like a low prospect. You know what I'm saying? And then so you get an outfielder yeah. who's, you know, a, a 4A outfielder who could figure it out kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're stacked with lefties, so you can have one of our lefties. We'll take your bullpen guy. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Like those sort of trades happen in the offseason more often than in season. Yeah. Um, just while you're trying to build your roster. So I could see stuff like that even going down in order to create room on the roster um, for some of these guys, to, you know, or for new signings or any of this stuff. But I'm telling you, man, the pitching staff to me, because it's over, because it's uh, like it's six more. So if you could cut three pitchers and add three position players and then do your even for even. Yeah. You know what I mean? But three of these pitchers could go for position players and you'd be happy with it. Right now we have four catchers, one of them being Zach Collins, who you cannot let go until you sign a first baseman because, unfortunately, he's the guy. He's the only guy we have right now playing first base, which means he cannot be let go until there's an answer for that. We can't go in and say, 
wait, we didn't do anything here? Yeah, it's going to be interesting how that shakes out. Uh, unless you know, unless they got plans that they're going to move somebody. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, they're trying to. I guess get, that's part of getting a first baseman, right? Yeah, yeah. You get a first baseman. However, that takes you get a first baseman. When you do, Zach Collins has got to go. Yeah. Uh, not to mention Rule Five eligible guys, which there's a huge list of Rule Five eligible guys. And we talked about them last year. Some of those guys are still there. Uh, now, granted, yeah. we said Mason Martin last year. There's not a shadow uh, of doubt in my how. I don't know how what I was trying to say right there, but basically, Mason Martin will not be picked up in the <laughs> Rule Five draft. There's absolutely no reason to even talk protecting him, even though last year we were like, "You have to," and we're like, "No, dude, <laughs> we yeah. were wrong." Um. But, you know, one of the guys that was on that in that class last year is Cody Bolton. And I'm kind of interested there. Like, he's a guy I could see being picked up. And so that's that's one that's kind of interesting to me. I don't I don't know. I don't know if they can. I mean, there's a lot of guys I'd like to get rid of, but unless you really think he's gonna be there, like eventually you can't just let all your pitchers go. You need to have somebody to come up if somebody gets hurt. And if it's all prospects, that's not a good move. You know what I mean? Right. So you can't just have like placeholders and then starters. You've got to have depth, which is where maybe like your Johan Ramirez and things like that come into play, which I, Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I think I'm, I don't know that I guess I don't know the option situation on, um, Johan Ramirez, but if he's out of options, that may actually change. I'm looking him up right now. Jeremy Beasley actually has an option, which is funny that I'm saying this about him. But So Junior Fernandez, Johan Ramirez does have one. Junior Fernandez does not have any more options. So he could be a guy that ends up being passed through waivers throughout all this process because he doesn't have any options. Or they might just yeah. save. That's the thing is I don't know that you if you need a spot, I don't think you save him for spring and then pass him through waivers. Like you try to fill that spot. Right, right. So do you think that Cody Bolton is possibly on that list? Like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying like, yeah, I predict they're going to do it. I just mean in general, do you think that he's a guy that is a, is possible? Yeah, I could, I could see him. I could see that as being a possibility. So we already know that Michael Burroughs and Andy Rodriguez are the two no doubters, right? Mm-hmm. I see no scenario where they are not protected. Uh, how about Malcolm Nunez? Speaking of possible first baseman depth, right? I, th- I, I, I think you're gonna. I don't know that you have to protect him, but I mean that's uh, that's gonna be one that I think would be important. Showed some pop. He showed pop, and it's also the matter of like he's old enough. I uh, you could mm-hmm. you could pick him up. Like he, we would get. Yeah. And I think if you just traded for a guy, I don't think you're re- willing to let him go. Right. At this point. Um, the other guy would be Dario Lopez uh, that some people are, are bringing up. And I just think he's too young. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody goes after him. I know the pops there and the upsides there, and he might actually play his way into something, but like, I'd be afraid of, you know, Matt Frazier season. Matt Frazier's not going to be protected guys. He was bad this year. Yeah. 
I, nobody's picking him up. And if they do, good luck. And if he works out, fine. I'm okay not protecting him when we have a team like we have right now. Like yeah. when we have, you know, just with limited spots. Not that we're like, dude, we're this good. Like, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I get it. To me, it's four players, uh, you know. Yeah. And so, like, when I look at that, I think, well, where are we at then? Because we're looking at our roster. And I'm only taking one offensive player away who's not a catcher, which, by the way, I'm okay losing all four catchers. But that requires you to get someone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that you could pass some of these guys. Like, I think Ali Sanchez could be a guy that they could we, – we got him off waivers, but we're going to try to pass him through waivers too. And if he does, then he'll be in our AAA and he'll be there for us. Yeah. So I think, you know, situations like that are, I think they're going to pass some guys through waivers in hopes that nobody claims them just for depth. Um, let me go down through the list here. Cause I think the big thing that I want to kind of, uh, I want to kind of hear this, like, who are your guys? I told you I had 12. So I'm going to go down through the 40 man roster. Give me a yes. If, if you want to keep him. And a no for if you either don't or don't care, right? So literally, I want to hear the guys who are like, if we got somebody better, I don't care. Well, of course, that's everyone, right? That's every single guy on the roster. That's not true. If you got somebody better than Brian Reynolds, <laughs> you'd want to have him and Brian Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. But let me just take you through. So, so Jeremy Beasley, we brought him up. You still there? Uh Oh, yeah. just thinking. Oh, I got that. you. See, without the video, yeah. I don't know if you're thinking or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's tough one. I don't. I don't know. I can't. I. I don't really have a, an opinion on him. I don't know quite enough about Jeremy Beasley to be honest. It's gonna be open and honest. So then, that's not tough to me. <laughs> See ya. Right. Yeah, that's fair. You know, uh, you have already said Blake Cedarland is you know possibly one of those guys. How about Chase DeYoung? Yeah. This is a guy last year who we uh, non-tendered. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, he's staying. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Junior Fernandez, we just said no options left. Um, that's an interesting one. Just brought him over from the Cardinals. Can't remember if he was a waiver or in the trade, but either way. Um, yeah, I think he stays. You think he stays and they're going to... I think in order to get rid of him, I just think they're going to want to see it. But it's possible if they get a major league reliever is when he goes. It's not going to be It's not going to be in favor of Blake Cedarland, right? I agree with that. Right. Uh, Max Kranick, we kind of already touched on him. Nick Mears, you still interested or are you okay seeing if, if he can pass through? I could go either way on him. Okay. Uh, how about uh, Johan Ramirez? And I'm skipping over guys. Luis Ortiz, Johan Oviedo. They're not going anywhere. Um, how about right. Johan Ramirez? I thought he actually looked like he had good stuff. I did too. Okay. I'd like to see him stick around. Peter Solomon. We j I mean, I think that this is a guy. It's either we haven't even seen him yet. They're not going to get rid of him. Or no, he was a guy that you claimed just to pass through waivers later and see if he'll stay. Yeah, I, I can see that second option being the case okay eric stout no so, uh, whatever happens to you buddy okay bo solcer who <laughs> we let go and then got him back and i think they might actually keep a hold of him i do too 
Dwayne Underwood Jr. And this isn't a, this is like a, is this a non-tender situation? I think it is. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah. All right. And then the big three for me, I, I say big three because Miguel Yahore is interesting. I, I kind of said what I said about this. Um, are you on the same page there? Or are you kind of like, hey, I think I'm going to have to see something new in order to be excited again? Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of high hopes for him too. But he just hasn't been able to put it all together. Yeah, and then the last two for me, Zach Thompson, Bryce Wilson. Yeah. And I'm I'm basically at the point where I'm saying we're on the same page with that too. Give me one of them. You know we need the Mm -hmm. depth. Give me one of them. I think Bryce Wilson might be out of options. If that's the case, it's gotta be him. He's gotta go. Yeah. Um Okay, catchers, Zach Collins, Jason DeLay, Tyler Heineman, Ali Sanchez. Where are you at on those four? So hard because really so – We said the Zach Collins thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ali um, Sanchez, I, we I, even kind of – I wouldn't mind seeing – yeah, and I wouldn't mind seeing one of Heineman or DeLay sticking around, but – Definitely. I don't think we need all three of those guys. Yeah, for me, that's Heineman too. Jason DeLay, as far as a catcher, I mean, the, I can't, I've never seen a catcher make that many errors. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't think I've ever seen it. For me, it's Heineman. You get a switch hitter too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but man, I hope it's not the case. I actually wouldn't mind if one of them started off the year as a backup catcher if Roberto Perez wasn't the starter. Otherwise, I'd like to see those two guys as like a third option in case Roberto Perez is hurt. Right. If Roberto Perez gets hurt and you need a new backup, that's where I'd like them to fall in. (laughs) If you get Roberto Perez, which means you also sign someone else to play alongside Roberto Perez and he's only you're only asking him to play 75 games. Right. Or not even not even that. Most catchers don't catch more than 110 games, even the good ones. Like it just doesn't happen. If right. if he can be if the, if you can have a guy to catch 110 and he and Perez or even 90 and Perez can be the other guy, then I think that you you know you might find a good spot there. But yeah. Um, and then I've already said Hoy Park. Is there anyone else that that you're looking and saying I don't mind? How about? Um, let's start, let's start with the infielders. How about Diego Castillo? Like, yeah, I, I don't really know that I want to see him go. Okay. I, when I think about it and I, I look at the depth and Rodolfo Castro seemed to bust out a little bit. We, we both said we're keeping Kevin Newman. If, if we like G Juan Bay and we're looking at all of these options at second base, then it does kind of make me start to think like, okay, he's got pop, but like he's less valuable than those guys I just mentioned. Yeah. So I could see a scenario where it doesn't happen for him. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rush to that. If I was looking at this roster of infielders, I'd probably be the least excited about Diego Castillo than I am anyone i mean uh, i'm not excited it's a bad word because i'd be more excited for him than kevin newman um yeah but kevin newman's right now i mean he's pro as far as experience and things like that so it makes it hard yeah 
Um, so let me ask yeah. you about two more here and see where you think here. Tucapita Marcano and Travis Swaggerty. In you whatever what? order you want. I'm big, I'm, you know, I'm big on health, and Swaggerty hasn't exactly shown a whole lot of health, but that dude's got potential. So that's that's another tough one. Um, and Marcano is, you know, another one of those we've we've traded for him. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I it's I, I think we I think there's still more in the tank for both those guys. I think we still need to give give them a little bit more more time, more look. Um, so I think if, if they did, I mean, we've made our, we've made our thing saying, go get a corner outfielder. Right. I think if they did something like that, I think I'd be okay parting ways with one of those guys. I know that like, you know, Marcano is basically an infielder, but once again, we just talked about the infield. I I wouldn't be surprised if Tukapita, I mean, he's listed as an outfielder on the roster and I wouldn't be surprised if that's his best shot. Yeah. But you got Kanan Smith and Jigba coming back. Cal Mitchell was already there. Jack Swinski is has at least earned more looks. Um, you know, I mean, not yeah. that he's a slam dunk yet, but uh, the power plays regardless of what the average is. If you have other guys who can, you know, hit around him, if he can be a six or seven hitter with that kind of power, oh, that's I'll take that, especially with a good defense. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you if you could get another corner outfielder. I mean, there's just no spot. I think I'm okay with that. But if you're signing a first baseman, man, I think I'm gonna, I gotta pick from the pitchers. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree well, Zach that. Collins. If you get a first baseman, it's gotta be Zach Collins. Yeah, it's gotta yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we just, I mean, we just named through around ten to thirteen, fourteen guys, and this is just yeah. go. I mean, is that surprising? We lost a hundred games. <laughs> right. It's not like we just got major league talent, you know, laying around all over the place. And we like our guys. We like our team. Like we like the direction that it's going in. You know, you and I do. I mean, they're not there yet, obviously. No. But we do like it and we like, we're looking forward to seeing them take the next step forward. But still, like we lost a hundred games. So you, it's not surprising that there's, you know, 10 to 14 guys that we're okay losing, <laughs> but we'll see how that happens. Like I said, some of these guys can be packaged in some deals. I mean, not some of the guys that we mentioned, but maybe if some of the different guys like that, we didn't mention are packaged in a deal, then that opens up some spots. And then maybe you don't have to can some of the depth and things like that. But sure. I mean, you're going to have to, so we already said that there's 44 guys right now. And let's say only the let's say Cody Bolton doesn't get protected. I think it's pretty safe to say Malcolm Nunez, uh, oh my gosh, Andy Rodriguez and Michael Burrows. I think it's safe to say that those three guys will be protected. Yeah. So now you're looking at 47 guys. So this week, I guess not this week because they've got a little bit into next week, right? Before they could before they have to mm-hmm. do those three protections. But you're going to see guys gone. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do yeah. that. Yeah. It's the off season, man. Um, yeah. This is when things it's kind of get dicey, time, right? Yeah. Cause this is when you get a real opportunity to see, I mean, you just lost a hundred games. You want to see how your team's going to get better. You want to see what they're going to do and, and how they're going to, you know, go about their next season. And we just talked about the four year blueprint. Yeah. 
of, yeah. you know, it's according to, according to the blueprint, according to the way that front offices are doing things right now, it's okay if we lose 95 this year. We're still on track. Mm -hmm. Losing 95 does not knock you off track. And that stinks for people like us because we don't want to see that again. <laughs> right. And But the truth is, and I'm not saying this is what I want, and the truth is that they are not going to panic if they lose 95. Right. It's just not there. Like they can handle it because it's part of the blueprint. If this is what they're looking at. It's funny. I didn't mention Tampa (laughs) because there's also the fear that he's just trying to run a Tampa organization here. And, you know, in some ways that's fine. In some ways it's not, but right. um, I don't know, man. I, I really hope that we can get to a place where, I mean, we lost a hundred. If we could lose 90 games, if we could lose 88 games, start to show a little bit of life in different times. Maybe as the season goes better, we get better. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. We're going to we're gonna follow this offseason as close as we possibly can. And then as we get into that, we'll start to develop some opinions on all of that. Right? Yeah. So we'll yep. probably have some more comments on some Rule 5 stuff next week. And obviously... All the awards go out next week. We'll probably spend a little bit of time on that. We're baseball fans. So we'll do some of that. But um, hey, man, thanks for making it work uh, tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being flexible. You know, Uh, I'm I'm really, uh, I'm I'm with a good group of people, man. They they let me take some time out. They went and ate. They're sitting in the car right now. I had to get out of the car because they came out. But it's all good, man. We'll make it work. and, And just appreciative of, of everybody helping get get things done and being flexible and you know I, I enjoy doing this and it's you know I'm gonna make time for it even on vacation sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything else for today and in, in, in the situation? No, you have a, you have any key Brian comments? <laughs> <laughs> it got ripped, man. I'm not just not okay. <laughs> I don't like it, but it is what it is. Yeah, let's go win it next year, man. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next week. Let's go, Bucks. Yep. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, Cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks.